Laird Superfood transformed my health routine. And one of their products that I love is the Performance Mushroom, which helps boost immunity and fight stress. All organically sourced, it can be easily blended into your daily routine, be it in your coffee, smoothies, or any other favorite drink. I also love their daily prebiotic greens, which are packed with whole fruits, veggies, and vital vitamins A, C, D, and K. Enhanced with gut-friendly adaptogenic mushrooms and a natural refreshing taste of pineapple, lemon oil, and orange oil. They're 40% more affordable than big brands, offering both a month supply for home and single-serve sachets for when life keeps you on the move. Get yours at LairdSuperfood.com and snag 20% off your first purchase using code ONPURPOSE20. Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be the chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage and other solutions to help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess, so IKEA makes storage affordable. Continually eating foods that don't love you back is like staying in a toxic relationship and wondering why you're still miserable. But avoiding foods that don't love you back isn't restrictive, it's self-respect. Hey everyone, welcome back to On Purpose, the number one health podcast in the world. Thanks to each and every single one of you that come back every week to listen, learn, and grow. And I'm so excited to be talking to you today. I can't believe it. My new book, Eight Rules of Love, is out and I cannot wait to share it with you. I am so, so excited for you to read this book, for you to listen to this book. I read the audiobook. If you haven't got it already, make sure you go to eightrulesoflove.com. It's dedicated to anyone who's trying to find, keep, or let go of love. So if you've got friends that are dating, broken up, or struggling with love, make sure you grab this book. And I'd love to invite you to come and see me for my global tour, Love Rules. Go to jsheddytour.com to learn more information about tickets, VIP experiences, and more. I can't wait to see you this year. Now, if you've been listening lately, you've been hearing me repeat this mantra, happy, healthy, and healing. This is something I've been repeating to myself a lot recently. I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm healing. It's been making a big difference in my life. And I know that you're here because you want to be happy. You want to be healthy and you want to heal. Now, today's guest is someone who talks about that in such a phenomenal way, and everything from the gut to the brain to what we digest every day to our feelings and our traumas and how they affect the chemicals inside of our body and our mind. I'm talking about Dr. Will Cole, a leading functional medicine expert who consults people around the globe, starting one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers in the world over a decade ago. Named one of the top 50 functional and integrative doctors in the nation, Dr. Will Cole provides a functional medicine approach for thyroid issues, autoimmune conditions, hormonal imbalances, digestive disorders, and brain problems. Dr. Will Cole is also the host of the popular The Art of Being Well podcast, make sure you check it out, and the New York Times bestselling author of Intuitive Fasting, the Inflammation Spectrum, and the brand new book, Gut Feelings, Healing the Shame-Fueled Relationship Between What You Eat 
and how you feel. If you don't have that book yet, I want you to go and order right now, Gut Feelings. Uh, we are going to put the link in the show notes. Make sure you grab a copy as you're listening right now or watching. Uh, Dr. Will Cole, thank you for being here. I need you to be my hype man every day, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to start your day. Oh, thank you, man. <laughs> Thanks, thank you. Buddy. Well, well, you. I always say to my guests, I'm like, you had to live all of that. <laughs> so you actually had to do it. Thanks, uh, But I also want to, can I call you Will? Of course, yeah. Uh, I, I just want to say for everyone who's watching, Will took a flight this morning from Pittsburgh to New York City to be on the show. I appreciate him so much course, for doing that. Uh, I really, really value that. I, I love connecting with people in person. Yeah, I'm happy and, to be here. Yeah, I, and I can't wait to dive in. Let's get let's uh, do it. I was just saying to you earlier that our community, our audience here on purpose, really loves learning and really loves getting really practical, yeah. applicable tools when it comes to their health. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the things that, I, by the way, I love the name of the new book, like Gut Feelings. I Thanks. think the gut has often been so ignored in the conversation. Yeah. We often talk about, how do you feel up here? How, what's your head saying? Yeah. And then we feel about the heart versus the head. And I feel like the gut was forgotten for so long. Why is the gut so important in that conversation? And why should it not be ignored? You're right. And even, to, I think we've come a long way in the past 12 years since I've been in functional medicine people growing awareness, but we're still scratching the surface. I realize I'm probably talking to more of the health nerds and it's not, not the general population. So we have a far way to go. And our gut is a major part of our health, but you don't necessarily have to have extreme digestive symptoms to have underlying gut components to why you feel the way that you do. So your gut and brain are actually formed from the same fetal tissue. So when babies are growing in their mother's womb, they're formed from that same fetal tissue And they're inextricably linked for the rest of our lives through what's known as the gut-brain axis or the connection between the gut and the brain. 95% of serotonin, our happy neurotransmitter, it's made in the gut, stored in the gut. 50% of dopamine is made in the gut, stored in the gut. And if you think about it, the intestines kind of even resemble the brain. And the vagus nerve is what really innervates and connects both the gut and the brain. Researchers call the gut the second brain. We have to understand to understand so much of what ails modern society, we have to understand gut health. And it's no coincidence that most of probably your listeners would know, Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine, he said, all disease begins in the gut. Well, if disease begins in the gut, then so does healing begin in the gut. And it's also home to 75% of the immune system. Inflammation is a product of the immune system. And you look at the epidemic rise of autoimmune problems, and really inflammation is the commonality between just about every health problem. Autoimmune issues, metabolic issues, hormonal problems, to really research looking at what's known as the cytokine model of cognitive function, how inflammation impacts how our brains work. So things like anxiety and depression, fatigue, all have their roots in not only inflammation, but also the gut-brain connection. So it is the far-reaching implications of this is vast. We have to understand it to deal with it. And what are some of the biggest mistakes we're making when it comes to our gut? Like, what are the things that I think you you would say that we're just so unaware of Mm -hmm. or unsure about that are causing gut challenges? I think the interesting thing about gut issues is that when you figure out that you have something you're concerned about and you start talking to your friend or someone, you realize everyone has it, but no one talks about it, right? right? It's not like one of those things that people share very openly, right? but you start recognizing, wow, everyone has digestive issues. Everyone's having some sort of inflammation. Everyone's having this kind of thing. So what are some of the habits, traits that you think have 
kind of become widespread that is actually taking us down this road that maybe we're just not aware of enough. What I'm always telling my patients is just because something's common doesn't necessarily mean it's normal. Just because it's your everyday doesn't mean you should settle for it. And I really can't tell you how many times when I'm talking to somebody online and we're going through the systems of their body and they have these aha moments of, whoa, I thought that was just me. I thought that was just my lot in life because I have it every day. But I think they need to, we as a human race need to take inventory and kind of get in our bodies. I know that you teach about this so eloquently of just being aware and mindful of how our body works because it may be your everyday, but it doesn't mean it should be normalized. So, I mean, we could talk about digestion and you're right, people don't wanna talk about it. It's very normal for me to talk about poop at my office. It's like, and then I look across the telehealth, across the, the internet and I realize it's not as normal as I think it is. <laughs> I see their partner like, uh, we've never talked about this before, you know. Uh, we get real, real fast, but it's important because it's a window into probably lots of other things in your body. But it's normal to have one to two, we say, snakes a day, as far as bowel movements are concerned, on the Bristol chart. Many people go two, three days without a normal bowel movement, or it's always loose, or always really strained and like pebbles. That's not normal. Your bowel movements are a window into your overall health. So we start there, but then we look at energy levels throughout your day? Do you need lots of you know, sugar and caffeine to get through the day? That's not normal, but that's a lot of people's every day, certainly. Uh, do you have ravenous cravings of food? Do you have trouble losing weight? Do you have hair loss? Do you have skin problems? These are all, like we call in functional medicine, these are like check engine lights. Check engine lights on, but why? The body's telling us something. We have to go upstream or get to the root cause of why you have the problem in the first place. Yeah, and I think for a lot of people, it becomes hard because I found for a long time as well that as I became more aware of these things yeah. and as I sought after help, it was really difficult to find good personalized advice because you'll see everyone say, well, you have to drink this one thing. You have to do this one thing, yeah. right? It becomes this fad and some things help and some things don't and you don't know how they're all interconnected. And I feel like people get quite stuck. And that's why I love books like yours and podcasts like yours, because people can kind of follow along and go, okay, I'm dealing with this challenge. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I love that you talked about was the process you call shame flammation. And I wanted to talk about how can one begin to confront that? So shame flammation, I, you know, you know this as writing books and educating people and speaking, you'll wake up in the middle of the night and like, oh, that's a good way of conveying what I'm trying to say. Because yeah. you see it play out in people's lives all the time. I see it on an hourly basis when I'm consulting patients, people that eat really clean, they are working out, they're doing all the wellness stuff. They go to Air One, they, they do all the, the things <laughs> you're supposed to do. That's me, by the way. So I'm one of those people that I'm like, I, I eat cleaner than 99% of my friends. Yeah. I work out. I stay healthy. I don't drink alcohol. I don't smoke. Like, I have a very clean life. And I still had high forms of inflammation. I work with uh, Mona Sharma. I don't know if you know Mona. I love Mona, Mona yeah. So Mona's my health coach. I love her. And, so I work, and my wife is my health coach, too. She's been a dietitian, and nutritionist, and yeah. Ayurvedic uh, health practitioner. So my wife and Mona kind of tag team on my life. You're, you're in good hands. I'm, I'm very fortunate, yeah. but... You know, so yeah, let, let's talk about that because I'm actually that person. I'm that yeah. person who I'm like, guys, I pretty much don't have any bad habits. Yeah. So let, let's do our shameful nation. Yeah. So it, that's 99% of my patients as well. You're not alone. Is that you have very erudite people that are trying to do the best things that are probably most of them better off than they would be if they weren't doing these things. But there's these missing pieces. 
And what I explore with my patients and what I get to talk about in gut feelings is these missing physiological and psychological missing links to what is keeping you stuck at that plateau? What is keeping you back from leveling up how you want to feel? So shame inflammation is this convergence of the mental, emotional, and the physical. And really the conversation that I get to have with patients and I also get to have in this book and gut feelings is the fact that mental health is not separate from physical health. Mental health is physical health. And our brain is a part of our body just as much as anything else is. And as I mentioned earlier, the implications of the vagus nerve, the gut-brain axis, and inflammation and its role in our health. But our thoughts and emotions on one end of that coin, stress, shame, trauma, even intergenerational trauma, that esoteric, non-measurable stuff impacts the measurable, meaning it will spike inflammation levels. It'll impact how your vagus nerve nerve works. It'll impact how your hormones are expressed. So we have to look at what I call for my patients, shame inflammation. And what is our relationship with food? What is our relationship with our body? What is our relationship with ourselves? And start shifting paradigms around how we live life. Because you you could be doing amazing things for your health eating good foods, working out. But if you're going into it with such a sense of dread and obsession, and you know something that I say in the book is you can't heal a body you hate. You cannot shame your way into health. And many people try to, and they're doing good things that even make sense on paper, but they're going into it with such a negative sense of- Intention. Uh, and yeah, intention. It's sabotaging. It's producing a completely opposite result. So I want to bring good things, but let's do it with a good intention. And that's what shame inflammation, that concept is all about. Yeah, understood. What are some of the quick things that if anyone's thinking I'm feeling inflammation, what are some of the things in our physical, like things that we're consuming that are likely to cause inflammation? Yeah, so there's the physiological and the psychological yeah. again. So the physiological, let's go on that side. Yes. So the, the, it starts with the foods that we eat. I mean, every food we eat either feeds inflammation or fights it. There's, there's no neutral food. There's no Switzerland meal. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's serving your physiology it's doing something, mm-hmm. maybe in incremental ways, maybe in negligible ways, but it's some in very major ways. So we have to take inventory of every food we eat. Other, every meal is another opportunity to bring inflammation up or bring inflammation levels down. So what I call the inflammatory core four are the four foods or food ingredients that are most likely to disrupt that gut microbiome, all the trillions of bacteria in our gut, that, that regulate our inflammation levels, regulate hormones, regulate our brain and neurotransmitters. So that's going to be gluten-containing grains would be number one. And I have a nuanced conversation about this. There are better versions of gluten. You can get ancient grains. You can get sourdough bread that ferments some of this. A lot of the foods that I'm going to be talking about here are what we've done to the food, not necessarily the food in and of itself. But for the sake of simplicity, gluten-containing grains, looking at that in your life, Number two would be industrial seed oils, things like soybean oil, vegetable oil, canola oil. Palm oil. Palm oil, exactly, yeah. I've just been taking off a lot of those because that was somewhere where we hadn't got to yet. So I'm off palm oil, canola oil. I can only eat things in olive oil or avocado oil at the moment. Love it. Yeah. Thanks, Mona. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Thanks, Mona. (laughs) Conventional dairy, I would say that. And added sugar, which is no surprise. I'm short of people. But even the nice-sounding euphemisms for sugar, you know, that, that are hidden very cleverly on labels. 
that they may be better for you options. And I'm not demonizing this entire sugar industry, but I'm saying, look at the amount of added grams of sugar you're consuming in a day. You may be surprised. So decreasing that, and if I could make the core four a plus one, <laughs> I would add alcohol to that list. Is people, oftentimes they eat cleaner, they clean up that diet. They know about the inflammatory core four, but they keep in alcohol in their life as like, oh, that's my one vice. But they are kept back. Their guts are still struggling. Their mental health is still struggling. Their energy levels, their weight loss resistance is still struggling. So I would at least look at alcohol as a role into these as well, because it's becoming quite normalized within the wellness world specifically. And at the end of the day, there's no healthy amount of alcohol. There are better for you options, certainly, and I have to be pragmatic, but it's uh, something that I would take into consideration. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, that's so practical. And I think everyone who's listening to that, I think we've all heard about a friend, I'm gluten-free too, but I've heard about friends being gluten-free and this yeah. and that, and we often laugh about these things. Yeah. But it's it's interesting to hear just how simple it can be, yeah. right? These are not huge changes. None of these changes are like hard to find necessarily. These things are becoming more and more common, at least at a grocery store. Yeah. And we can start making healthier choices in a yeah. simple way. Uh, let's talk a bit about, bit about gut microbiome because, so I recently had a surgery and I had to take uh, tramadol and a bunch of other stuff to, mm -hmm. like painkillers to try and yeah. deal with the pain. And, and Mona was like, all right, we're gonna have to start with your microbiome all over again after mm -hmm. this is all over. What is that relationship between uh, painkillers and all of that with our gut microbiome as well. Like, where's the connection there? Well, I mean, your gut is just a major regulator of so many different pathways in the body. So it is such a central role. But when you're taking either NSAIDs or antibiotics or other pain medications, they can really do a number on your gut. Uh, they, they can really impact the gut lining as well as the microbiome metropolis, this gut garden within, within our gut gastrointestinal system. So that doesn't mean we shouldn't be on those medications when they're properly prescribed. There are surgeries where you need to be on things like that. But just as Mona said, what are we going to do afterwards? What's sort of the long game here to start supporting gut health again? Because pragmatically, uh, those medications, just like certain foods and other everything we do in life influences this gut garden so there's some things that hurt it more than others. And especially people that are on medications, some medications long-term, specifically antibiotics, and some pain pills as well, they really can do quite good damage on the gut that we have to work on rehabilitating over time. Yeah, and so that's just something to be conscious of as yes. well. Yes, it's something to be conscious of. Talk with your doctor about, because oftentimes there isn't a conversation about gut health when it's, yeah. it's just, no, take this, see you later. But I would just want to be empowered as a patient and be informed as to your options and have choice. Yeah, and you've talked a bit about how the connection between alcohol and intuition, and mm -hmm. I was intrigued by that. Like, what, what have you seen as the connection there that you've well, made? Well, I think, again, as I mentioned earlier, I think alcohol, people don't want to go there, right? That's how they socialize. That's how they hang out with their friends. That's how they wind down. That's how they deal with the background anxiousness. Uh, and they don't really want to see how this drink can impact how they feel and how they truly can know what their body loves and what their body doesn't love. So alcohol can impact both you, your body on both a physiological and a psychological level. It's going to impact your gut microbiome, certainly. It's What's gonna, it doing? What's happening? It could do a few things. It's going to disrupt the microbiome. So the microbiome is, depending on the study that you look at, it's upwards of 100 trillion bacteria. 
and we have about 10 trillion human cells. So we are all about 10 times more bacteria than human. And when we drink alcohol, it is really, uh, especially people that are consistently drinking, it is quite disruptive to this microbiome balance. And it can breed things like bacterial overgrowth. People, a lot of the times people that I, that I talk to, they have something called SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And alcohol is a component. It's certainly not the only driver of that, but it is a disruptor and breeder of bacterial overgrowth by messing up the balance the, of this microbiome uh, component. And it also can increase intestinal permeability or uh, increase what they call leaky gut syndrome. It's uh, when the things are passing through the gut that shouldn't be able to pass through the gut, like undigested food proteins, bacterial toxins called lipopolysaccharides. And then that's the seminal event that a lot of things, when the immune system sees undigested food and bacterial toxins in the bloodstream, then there's something called molecular mimicry. It's sort of the, the case of mistaken identity when the immune system starts this cascade of inflammation, and that's what can trigger autoimmunity. When the immune system loses recognition of self, which I think that's happening on a physical level, but then you think about what's happening on a mental, emotional, spiritual level with so many people losing recognition of self, and we have this epidemic rise of autoimmune conditions. 50 million Americans, at the very least, have an autoimmune disease. Millions more are somewhere on that autoimmune inflammation spectrum. So alcohol's implication in that is it really is something that allows, it can be a trigger for a lot of people, not only on a mental, emotional level we know, but I think people's relationship with alcohol exists on a spectrum. Um, And you may not be a full-blown alcoholic. People need to look at themselves and say, how am I using this tool in my life? And is it in alignment with how I want to live my life? Is it in alignment with how I want to feel? As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash on purpose to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash on purpose. Terms and conditions apply. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com forward slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hi, we're brought to you today by IKEA. 
No matter if you live in a three-bedroom house or a tiny apartment, we all have mess in one form or another, and it takes over if you let it. Overcoming mess can feel like an impossible task. Who has time and money for that? But the good news is, IKEA has easy and affordable solves for any kind of clutter. Got that chair that seems to collect all your clothes? There's a wardrobe organizer for that. Got a monstrous mess under your bed? No problem, that's what underbed storage is for. How about that one drawer that seems to have everything and nothing in it at the same time? Nothing one of their many versatile drawer organizers can't solve. IKEA makes storage solutions that are within reach. Solutions that work for spaces of every size and shape and for any budget. So you can confidently face mess head on and start enjoying every last inch of your home. Visit IKEA to explore more affordable storage today. You can't afford mess. So IKEA makes storage affordable. Yeah, that's a, that's a great message to, to get people to reflect on. Yeah. Uh, what That was the physiological. What are some of the psychological things to be aware of? Yeah. Well, I think the research around stress is very fascinating. I mean, we know when your body is in a state of stress, and look, stre- the stress is normal. It is good in measured amounts. What I'm talking about here is chronic stress. It's that I'm being chased by this tiger, but there's no tiger. Many people are stuck in various degrees of sympathetic, fight-or-flight, stressed state, and their body's in overdrive all the time. And we need a balance. We need the sympathetic nervous system just as much as we need the parasympathetic, the resting, the digesting mechanism. But many people are just in an over-accentuation of a sympathetic nervous system response. And cortisol levels coming up because their body is in that fight-or-flight mode. Cortisol is not inherently bad, just like inflammation is not inherently bad. We need inflammation to fight off viruses and bacteria and heal wounds. But it's the chronic inflammation that's a problem. Same with chronic stress. Cortisol being high for too long is not good. That is, cortisol by itself is an endogenous immunosuppressant, which means it's a natural anti-inflammatory. So inflammation comes up, cortisol comes up to try to abate and attenuate the higher inflammation levels and to help you, to actually get you out of that stressed state. But it's just unsustainable because there's no real threat for many people. But they're not sleeping well. They are eating out of alignment with what's working for their body. And they are... I would say, unhealthy relationships with technology. And all of this will be what researchers call an an evolutionary mismatch. There's a genetic epigenetic mismatch. Our genetics haven't changed in 10,000 years. But our world has changed very dramatically in a very finite period of time when you're putting that into context with the totality of human history. So if our genetics haven't changed in 10,000 years, just think of how much how world has changed in a few generations, mm. whether it's the foods we eat or the foods we're not eating, our stress levels, our exposure to toxins, collective and individual trauma. All of these things are the confluence of factors, the perfect storm of variables that are giving rise to these inflammatory autoimmune brain health, mental health problems. So the psychological side of how I see these stressors play out in people's lives is chronic stress. But it's a lot more nebulous, right? It's a lot more insidious because it's easy to say, don't eat those four foods because they're going to spike inflammation. It's another thing to say, well, don't stress. And then they're stressing about not stressing. (laughs) So you have to really like bring context and practical tools. And what I call them in the book is metaphysical meals. Because 
you need to treat these acts of stillness just like you would mealtime. Yes. Which I know we're on the same page here. Like you have to, just like you show up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you, or you show up to the gym, you need to start feeding your head and your heart just as much as you feed your body. Mm. And it's very much a part of healing. And you have to deal with both sides of the coin, both the physiological and the psychological. So stress and whether that be bringing healthy boundaries in or having a better relationship with technology or prioritizing your sleep or bringing in self-care practices in your life that are nourishing to you, that are feeding you on a mental, emotional level. Yeah. That's just one, but there are you know many levels to that. But uh, we have to look at both sides. Yeah, no, definitely. Thank you so much for walking us through those. Yeah. And when, if anyone's like me, while I'm listening to that, whenever I sit down with someone who's an expert in this space, I'm like, there's a part of you that just gets more stressed because you go, oh God, I'm doing all the wrong things, right? <laughs> like, and I'm, I'm sure people are listening or watching right. at home or at work, or if you're traveling and you're going, gosh, I need to change so much. And I think that's kind of where our problems perpetuate because we go, okay, I need to change everything. Mm-hmm. And then we end up changing nothing. And I think that's always the issue, right? When you feel you want to change everything, you end up changing nothing. Yeah. And as people are listening to this, like where's a good place for someone to start? Like, and I'm sure you you work with so many people on this journey. And I always say to people, like, I don't think we have, the real crisis we have in the world today is a crisis of habits and conditioning because most people I know know what they want to change or know who they want to be or how they want to change. They just can't, make it through that path, right? They can't stick with it. So where's a good place for someone to start? If they're listening right now and they're saying, Dr. Will Cole, I can hear that I have a ton of those physiological and psychological challenges. I need to figure this out. Where does someone start? I would first start with your headspace because it is, you do not have to be perfect, quote unquote. You don't have to have it all together to start making positive action in your life. And if you're waiting for the right time, it's now. Because there's always going to be some reason why we should put it off. Mm -hmm. There's There's a vacation, a holiday around the corner. There's a birthday party. There's a whatever holiday around the corner. And that is many people have that paralysis of analysis. Oh, I'll start at the new year. Oh, I'll start at this date. But the reality is I find that there's exceptions to that rule of maybe there's a certain date within the next few weeks that's be- that's practical for you. But if you're looking at really putting it out in the calendar, I very rarely see people need to do that mm-hmm. because I need you to realize that how are we going to navigate through those times? Because there's always going to be something. Yeah. yeah. And I would really, what I say is just lean into it. Yeah. You don't have to have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. Because what I find is when you get the ball rolling and people get their head a little bit above water, they want to keep doing the things Mm -hmm. that make them feel good. Yeah. And they start to realize what I call in the book and for my patients, I call it food peace and body peace. Because I want people to not come into this wellness thing, whether improve their energy or improve their digestion or improve their brain health. I want them to see this as a form of self-respect using self-care as a form mm-hmm. of self-respect mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it's the sort of toxic dieting culture that tells us, well, you can't have that. There's a lot of shame around that, right? That's like very much breeding ground for shame inflammation. Mm-hmm. That's the antithesis of sustainable wellness. The genesis of sustainable wellness is really realizing that you get to do things that make you feel good. Yeah. And I said recently on social media that I think I think is the paradigm shift that I want to say here is that 
that continually eating foods that don't love you back is like staying in a toxic relationship and wondering why you're still miserable. But avoiding foods that don't love you back isn't restrictive, it's self-respect. And that's the, if you want to talk about the first thing, it's having that pivotal paradigm shift to say, look, oh, I thought it was about all these things I can't have. No, have whatever you want. But I want people to love feeling great more than they thought they were going to miss something that dimmed their light. Mm -hmm. So from that place of self-respect, I find people make better choices for their life. Because if they, you know, the analogy that I use in the book is like, if you realized you were a Lamborghini and not an old beat up jalopy, how would that impact how you fueled yourself? Owners of luxury vehicles know how to take care of their car. They don't need to be taught that. They're parking it way in the back. They are cleaning it. They're fueling it appropriately. Many people see themselves as the old lemon and not the luxury car. And that's the paradigm shift that I want people to have because then all the rest falls into place. They don't have to be perfect because they just want to continue to pick themselves up and they have their why is bigger than their excuses. That is such a good point. I, I'm so glad that you went there because there were a few points that I just want to unpack for everyone. The first was, you said to start with the headspace. And I think that's really powerful. And everyone who's listened on purpose right now is already naturally doing that by being here is because... If you're stressed, you eat badly. And then when you eat badly, you get more stressed and you get inflamed and then everything else they're using, and then you get more stressed. And it's just this never-ending cycle. And so when you figure out what's going on up here and then you can start changing what's happening here, it's, it's a great way. So I think that was a fantastic point. The second thing that I really took away from that is this idea of self-respect and how we see ourselves. And it took me a long time to recognize what that really meant personally. So I grew up addicted to chocolate. I, I ate, and sugar, obviously. So I mm-hmm. ate a chocolate bar, a chocolate biscuit, a chocolate yogurt, and a chocolate ice cream pretty much every day while I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Up until when I went to university where I would eat a chocolate bar and a, a, like a, a liter of Sprite every single day. Like that got me through university. Mm-hmm. And I was healthy mm-hmm. and I was lean and, you know, whatever that meant. Mm-hmm. And he thought, I'm fine. And then you start to see things not catch up with you, but you start to see the impact of certain things. And I think people still have this in there. Well, I just want to have fun. Mm -hmm. I just want to enjoy life. And I don't want to have to think about this. And I think what's so interesting is what you're saying is that that actually isn't enjoyment because it's damaging. Mm -hmm. And when you start realizing that the fun you're having is actually not fun genuinely for what's happening inside, you just can't see that part. Yeah, And I think that took me a long time to connect that it's not like starving yourself from what you want. It's actually like your body doesn't actually want that. Yeah, Which takes so long to kind of fix our mind because we're so conditioned to believe that, oh, I love pizza and I love this and I love that. And it's like, well, you don't. You've just been conditioned through your tastes. Like I always talk about one of my friends, uh, their kids look forward to blueberries and grapes as their reward because that's how they've been (laughs) brought up like for them like blueberries are like sour patch kids right right like that's their sour patch kid whereas for me it was sour patch kids (laughs) which i still love which are terrible for me and i still love them and when i go to the theaters my wife really has to like (laughs) and so my wife was the one who helped me change my habits when she met me she goes you can't eat chocolate every day like you can't have that she was like once a week you can't have every day and and it took me ages uh, and then and then we we got there and then she replaced it with monk fruit and I used to eat these cacao nibs sweetened with monk fruit. And now I've got yeah. to a point where if I'm, if I'm at home, I'm barely 
I don't remove refined sugars from my diet. And it took a long process. And now I found actually when I go back and have an indulgent dessert, it doesn't taste as good to me. Mm. And that was a huge journey for me. I was like, oh, wow, it's not. And sometimes I'll still crave like a burger, a really like juicy fried burger. And I'm, I'm plant-based, so I'm mm. talking about plant-based burgers. And when I have it, I'll actually not enjoy the feeling afterwards. I'm like, yeah. oh, I actually didn't miss that at all. Yeah. And so I don't know if that aligns with what you've been saying, but I was just trying to give a very genuine reflection of yeah. dealing with a lot of these vices myself. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people can resonate with that. And like that's that repairing that gut feelings connection that I'm talking about. You know, the gut and the feelings, there's things that were changing on a physiological level when you start cleaning up your diet, eating nutrient-dense foods, regulating your blood sugar, lowering inflammation levels, supporting your gut health. And then also on a, when you make that connection, you go back to those foods and you may not like them at all, I hear that many times for patients and they're shocked. Like things that they loved, things that they thought they couldn't live without, they could they say, I could take it or leave it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's food peace. Yeah. It's like that you're not bound by that food. If you want to have it, have it. But I would just say use all food as a mindfulness tool. Yeah. Eat it consciously. Did it love you back? Maybe it didn't love you back, but you love socializing with your friends or it brought you some enjoyment in the moment and it was worth the payoff of maybe the bloating or the inflammation, then eat it and move on. Yeah. Shame is worse than any food. Yeah. But maybe you take it and eat it mindfully and realize afterwards, no, it actually wasn't worth it. So maybe next time I'll have less of it or yeah. I won't have it at all because like you said, like cacao nibs and monk fruit. There's so many better options yeah. that taste really freaking amazing. Absolutely, yeah. You don't have to eat like a boring rabbit to be healthy. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, I've been loving like the Who Kitchen bars as well. Oh, so like, they're so good. Like That's one of my the sad parts of New York City is Hugh Kitchen closed down. I mean, oh, they, had, no they had a restaurant. Yeah, I remember here. that place. Yeah, yeah. The pandemic took it out. Oh, wow. But, but their still, bars are amazing. Yeah, they're still alive and strong yeah. with the chocolate bars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their chocolate bars are great. But yeah. Yeah, I've, I feel like there. you're so right that there are so many other alternatives, so many other places that you can discover new things. And even spending time with friends, like recently I've been trying to, and of course there's there's access here and things that are in your city, but I found like, like my wife, she'll go to a workout class with a lot of her friends and that's like their way of socializing together. Yeah. Or me and my wife will go do a cold plunge together or go find an infrared sauna together or something like that where even doing health and wellness with friends has actually become a fun way of socializing yeah. where it's easy to be like, oh, let's just all go out for dinner, mm -hmm. which by the way, I still love to do. And it's not that we don't do it, mm -hmm. but it's the idea of there are so many alternative ways to spend time together where your friendship actually improves too. Oh, yeah. Because now you're not just doing dinner and a movie every time. So yeah. I, I think there's, I just think the idea of experimenting is healthy. Yeah. Whether you went to a cold plunge and enjoyed it or not, that's up to you. But the idea that you went and tried something new with your friends, yeah. I promise you, whatever you do, trying something new with the people you love is going to be a win either way. Yeah, right? absolutely. And I think that that's a key point too. When people want to start making healthy choices, they're afraid of it changing their what they do for fun yeah. or changing their relationships. <laughs> I mentioned alcohol. Well, if everything I do with my friends is centered around unhealthy food and alcohol, what's that going to look like? Yeah. You know, if they're your true friends, they're going to be there for you. And I've seen so many people start bringing the healthy food to the party and 
really being a light. It's my wife. <laughs> you basically described my wife. And people are like, wait, what? This is healthy? What the heck? Because it's, it really shifts hearts and minds around this. Or maybe you go to the cold plunge and you, they never, they thought it was weird at first, yeah. but now they all want to do it. People want to feel good. It's just, just because it's been done over and over again doesn't mean you have to keep doing it. Like start leveling up and be the leader for your friend group. Yeah. Because it really... Everyone thank you in the long term. It, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And I've seen whole family and friend groups change because of one person deciding, I want to live a different way. I want to start doing things that love me back. Yeah, trust me. In the beginning, my male ego with my wife telling me, like, <laughs> my wife would see me like grab a chocolate bag, put it in my mouth, and she'd be like, <laughs> she'd just give me the look. And everyone would be like, Jay, are you, are you literally going to let her do that? And I'm like, she's actually doing it for my own good. Like, it, I feel so much happier yeah. since I've let go you know, of, of refined sugar. Like it's made such a big difference in my life. And I'm, I've still got a long way to go. I'm working on lots of different things. But yeah, no, I, I love that. I wanted to ask you because I feel like you're one of the few people that actually talks about this connection. How are hormones the internal communication system for the body? Because I feel like hormones are not talked about enough mm-hmm. and there's not enough of a conversation about them, but that's been something you've been leading. Sure. And that's part of the the psychological, so, sorry, the physiological side of things that the psycho, psychological can impact. Mm-hmm. So Hormones are kind of akin to biochemical emails. And if you look at your body as this sort of corporation, the different systems of the body are not always communicating appropriately. They're either communicating too much because the body's in that sympathetic nervous system overdrive where its cortisol levels is being really secreted quite a bit. You have, we have what's called the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. So this is something that we can quantify on with patients via labs and see cortisol levels and cortisol uh, circadian rhythm issues. Cortisol is too high. When it should be low, it should be a nice S-shaped curve or it's always low or it's always high. And it's that imbalance, that breaking of the Goldilocks principle. It's homeostasis. It's you don't want hormones too high. You don't want hormones too low, but you want them high when they should be high and low when they should be low. Just like our gut microbiome bacteria, just like inflammation levels, it's all subject to this law of, the, of Goldilocks principle. So it's really, um, hormones are a major influencer in how we want to feel. But both the physiological and the psychological will impact how hormones are expressed. So if somebody has an unhealthy gut, if they have things like chronic infections, I deal a lot with people that have chronic Lyme disease and people that have mold toxicity uh, quite often because they have different genetic variants that make them more sensitive to things like autoimmune problems. So we can find and measure this on labs, higher levels of mold toxins, Lyme bacteria, uh, different environmental toxins like glyphosate in their body, that's shifting their nervous system in that stress state as well. That's going to really impact hormones tremendously. Mm -hmm. So then I can measure hormones on a hormonal test, which I would, and you'll see cortisol levels all off. You'll see typically estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, very low. Sometimes estrogen will be high with estrogen dominance. But for the most part, when you're in a sympathetic fight or flight stress state, most hormones will be sluggish. They'll be on the low end of normal or really low. But then if you just saw the hormones happening in a vacuum, you'd think, well, it's a hormonal problem. Well, no, there's a bigger context as to why the hormones were off in the first place. So that's why context matters when it comes to all these different aspects of health. But supporting hormones are certainly imperative when you're talking about somebody's mood, when you talk about somebody's gut feelings. Hormones are those biochemical emails. So I have to measure them. I have to optimize them. Thyroid is another major player too, because many people 
they're just getting basic thyroid labs. They're not really getting complex thyroid labs. So we have to really look at the complexity of thyroid hormone metabolism. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com forward slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hi, we're brought to you today by IKEA. No matter if you live in a three-bedroom house or a tiny apartment, we all have mess in one form or another. And it takes over if you let it. Overcoming mess can feel like an impossible task. Who has time and money for that? But the good news is, IKEA has easy and affordable solves for any kind of clutter. Got that chair that seems to collect all your clothes? There's a wardrobe organizer for that. Got a monstrous mess under your bed? No problem, that's what underbed storage is for. How about that one drawer that seems to have everything and nothing in it at the same time? Nothing one of their many versatile drawer organizers can't solve. IKEA makes storage solutions that are within reach. Solutions that work for spaces of every size and shape and for any budget. So you can confidently face mess head on and start enjoying every last inch of your home. Visit IKEA to explore more affordable storage today. You can't afford mess. So IKEA makes storage affordable. But is this something that like, at least, and I'm asking as someone who was born and raised in London, obviously, like mm. how much of this is accessible in the United States or across the world, like how do people ask for these labs? Where do they get them? Because I was one of those people for years that got checkups done and got my blood test done and things like that. And they'd always be like, Jay, you're fine. And I was like, but I don't feel fine. Like, yeah. I know something's going on. And they'd be like, no, you, you maybe you're a bit stressed. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure I am, but it's more that like I can feel something. And it took till I started working with Darshan at Next Health. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know Next Health. I, I've heard of them. Yeah, yes. Next Health's an incredible facility in LA. But again, it's it's something that requires like access, and it's expensive, and it's not you know it's not easy. It's in LA. It's in yeah. Miami. It's it's not something that mm-hmm. everyone can access. And so I go, well, how how does someone get those tests? And yeah. same as me, I was just told for ages. I was told, oh, maybe you're stressed. Uh, you know, just just relax a little bit. And I'm like, no, I don't feel right. So, how, yeah, how does someone get those tests? How does someone get that detail? I know Viome's a great source, the gut yeah. test that they send to your house and you do the stool test. Yeah. But, yeah, how, how do people get access to that? Yeah, I think we're living in a time where there's still a massive gap to democratize this where it should be. But in the past 12-plus years, I've seen a lot improving. And the reality is most of the thyroid labs and the hormonal tests actually are conventional tests meaning they're mainstream tests that if you ask your doctor, your conventional PCP, GP, They will do it. They, they have can, to do it. They can do it. They right. could decline doing it. But if you have a decent relationship with your doctor and if it's clinically appropriate, they should be able to run this panel, even if it's slightly outside of what their routine labs. Because look, the conventional model of care is largely trained to diagnose a disease and match it with the medication. So it's the extra labs, the other labs that we run in functional medicine is 
slightly superfluous to a conventional medicine doctor because if it's not going to change the treatment, why would they run it? The, for example, to use the thyroid as an example, they just need a TSH, a thyroid-stimulating hormone, and maybe a T4 to give the person that levothyroxine, that synthroid, that pharmaceutical thyroid replacement hormone. Okay, so that's all that they need. So if we want to look at all the other conventional thyroid labs, they are available, but if the end result's still going to be that medication, then why would they run it? Got it. So I understand it from a model side of things, but these are conventional tests. Most of the ones that I'm talking about are very widely accessible and offset through insurance are completely covered by insurance. They just have to be ran and coded appropriately and be clinically appropriate for you. Uh, so full thyroid panel, something called thyroid stimulating hormone, like I mentioned, T4. But then what we would add in functional medicine is total T3, something called free T3, free T4, and then what are called thyroid antibodies. The leading drivers of low thyroid function in the West are autoimmune in nature. Hashimoto's disease or autoimmune thyroiditis is the most common autoimmune disease as a whole, let alone the most common driver of low thyroid function. So we have to run thyroid peroxidase and thyroglobulin to see, because it's in that case, it's not truly a primary thyroid problem. The thyroid problem is because the immune system has lost recognition of self again and is attacking it. So, and Graves' disease is the other type of autoimmune thyroid problem. And then I have to run what's called reverse T3, which in states of inflammation, your body can make these basically thyroid break molecules that slow down thyroid function. So the point being, it's a lot more complex than just a TSH. And to make it more accessible and, you know, I mean, that's what we've done for the past 12 years is try to make this as democratized as it can be, to decentralize this so people can have agency over their health and be empowered with this information. It's their body. Yeah. They have a right to know. So we have different telehealth models to make it accessible for people. And there's a lot of direct-to-consumer labs, to be honest with you. Even if you don't have access to a functional medicine doctor or if you don't want a functional medicine doctor, there are great labs. There's one called Inside Tracker. I have no connection to these brands. Inside Tracker and base are two that I'm, I've had them on my podcast before. They are brilliant and you don't need a doctor for it. So you could just order it yourself. I think it's just good to know, right? It's, right? This is so useful because I think it's good to A, know what to ask for, what to look exactly. for. I think as someone, I consider myself someone who's fairly uneducated uh, as a uh, recipient, as a patient of these things. Yeah. Because until you study yourself, I would say, until I started studying myself and reading myself and interviewing people that I wanted to learn from, I had a very limited understanding because that's how I grew up. And so I think for me, at least I find it very interesting to be like, okay, well, these are the tests I need to ask for. Yeah. These are the tests I can do. Because even the other thing I want to ask you is what are the most missed healthy food intolerances? Because that's a whole nother thing that mm. I think we're not aware of. So the, the inflammatory core four that I mentioned, that's an obvious one, but I wouldn't yeah. even call those healthy foods, right? I mean, most of them are really processed, refined, boxed foods. But I would say the healthy food sensitivities or food intolerances, the food reactions, and this is really pertinent to most of the people that I talk to because they are eating better than most people, but they're still struggling. So the number one, and let me bring a caveat to all of these foods. It's not necessarily these foods' fault. The heart of what I do in functional medicine is bioindividuality. And even healthy foods, what works for one person may not be right for you. And I would say also what serves you today and what your body loves now if we're actually fixing the problem of why you had the problem in the first case, then over time, 
you'll be able to do more things. So I'm going to say these foods with that preface Go of ahead. don't be fearful of these foods. Don't become orthorexic, which is a massive problem within wellness. That's orthorexia is sort of disordered eating around healthy foods. That is not what I'm trying to convey here. So that's important to know. But also, for the people that are struggling with these issues, it could be a massive game changer for them. Because they may be thinking, oh, I've been doing what I thought was healthy, but I was unintentionally sabotaging my health. Mm -hmm. So number one, people that have SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth that I mentioned, it's linked to things like anxiety and depression. It's linked with other autoimmune problems. It's also the leading cause of things like IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. It's linked to bloating, like uncomfortable bloating. People will tell me they feel like they're nine months pregnant, even though they're not pregnant, as far as uncomfortable bloating and things like acid reflux and GERD. So there are, there's a class of foods that are known as higher FODMAP foods. FODMAPs is an acronym that that stands for uh, fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols, which is just a verbose way of saying fermentable sugars. So things like onions and garlic really healthy foods, right? Cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, uh, asparagus, Brussels sprouts, really healthy foods, but they're all higher in these fermentable sugars. So people that are thinking they're doing the good things with SIBO. I've done are, that for so long. Yeah, right, they're yeah, loading one up of those on people, yeah. onions and garlic and they're getting so bloated. They're getting so much gastrointestinal upset. So look, is the problem the, the high no, FODMAPs? No, I get no. it. Yeah, you have yeah. to heal the SIBO so you can bring those high FODMAPs in. Yes, yes, so yes. FODMAPs would be a lot for our people that are probably a lot of our listeners right now. It's just people that are very well read, but they're still struggling with these problems. They're eating healthier, but they're still struggling. So look at higher FODMAPs and potentially look at SIBO as the driver of that FODMAP intolerance. And then I mentioning a lot of uh, people that have mold toxicity, mycotoxins is what they're called. Higher mold foods can perpetuate flare-ups too. So a lot of grains, even you know healthy grains, like gluten, even gluten-free grains can be higher in mold. Coffee can be higher in mold. Wine, other alcohols can be higher in mold. And people that have a sensitized immune system should look, if they have a mold problem, look at foods that could potentially contain mold. And then another one that I see are higher histamines. Foods that are higher histamines or histamine liberators or histamine releasing foods can definitely be problematic for people that have SIBO, these gastrointestinal gut problems, and people that have, I mean, there's other symptoms of histamine intolerance like anxiety because your gut and brain, this gut feelings connection again here. People that have lots of kombucha, people that have lots of bone broth, people that have lots of fermented pickled foods, even avocados can be higher in histamines. So these are the gray areas that we need to look at yeah. because- but That's why you need to diagnose yourself effectively right. because, yeah. And, or if you're doing all the things and still struggling, these are the areas you need to look at yeah. to say, what are these check engine lights in my life? Why is my body reacting to kombucha? It's not kombucha's fault, but is it the body telling me that this is releasing histamines right now? And then I have to ask the question, why do I have histamine intolerance in the first place? Which unresolved trauma- can be part of that. SIBO, mold toxins can be a part of that. Chronic Lyme, the psychological and the physiological. So this is what I see sadly play out in people's lives, but it's only sad until you find out and give it, when you give them answers, then it's anything but sad. Because then it's this aha moment of like, wow, I can do something about it. I mean, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. Like everything you've been talking about, I'm like, this is the journey I've been on because it's, it's that feeling of I feel healthy to that feeling yeah. of recognizing, wow, there's so much about health that I did not understand. 
then getting accurate tests that yeah. actually tell you what's going on. Because I think there's a lot of like, oh, you just need a bit of this or you need a bit of that. And that doesn't work. Like the accurate testing is such an important part of this mm-hmm. because then the recommendations can be healthier. Yeah. I think a lot of recommendations are just based on basic symptoms and yeah. that doesn't necessarily always go the right way. Yeah. And then of course, consistency in the recommendation. That feels yeah. like the, the full journey. Absolutely. And I think... Look, if what you're doing is working for you and you feel great, don't look for problems where there isn't of any. Of course. But I think we have an epidemic rise of people that are doing all the things that are really compliant people that are doing things that doctors are telling totally. them to do, but they're still spinning their wheels. That's what I'm talking about here. We have to do better here. So I think that these these are what I find clinically to be missing links for people. Then they fix a few things and it really kind of allows their body to take their health to the next level. And, and start feeling the way they want to feel. And when you start repairing these things, whether it's repairing their gut health or regulating their nervous system or whatever we're talking about here, all of those foods I just mentioned, almost all of them can be reintroduced. Yes. So temporarily, maybe avoid them. But longer term, let's fix the problem that drove it in the first place. Yeah. Everyone, make sure that you uh, grab the book Gut Feelings and subscribe to the Art of Being Well podcast uh, by Will. Uh, Dr. Wilcoll, I just wanted to ask you, is there anything that you haven't shared on today? Something that is on your heart, your mind, or in your gut that you feel like you you need to share that we haven't touched upon? No, man. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's been great. We have to have you on The Art of Being Well. I'd love to. I'd love to. But no, this has been so useful because I think you've given us a very 360-degree approach of so many different aspects of our health. Of course, everyone can read the book, Gut Feelings, to go in depth on all of this and listen to the podcast to understand more about everything we've discussed today. And I hope this is the first of many times yes, we'll sit down and, and get to do this. But thank you so much. We end every episode with a final five, which are the fast five rounds. So you have to answer these in one word or one sentence okay. maximum. So you can do one sentence. All right. One word or uh, one sentence. I'm kind of nervous. Let's go, let's go for it. Okay. <laughs> uh, question number one, what's the best health advice you've ever received or heard? It's what I actually said earlier. It's one that I'm always telling myself and I'm telling my patients is you can't heal a body you hate. It's a pointer to work that we need to do. Mm-hmm. And it's reframing our relationship with our body and with food and with wellness itself. Love that. Question number two, what's the worst piece of health advice you've ever heard or received? <laughs> well, the antithesis of that, of, that somehow you're going to shame your way into wellness. It's not going to work. Yeah. Okay, uh, question number three. Something you used to value for your health, but you don't anymore? Probably taking tons of supplements. I have a simplified version. I know what I feel the best on. Um, So uh, to me, food is first. Supplements are a great bonus, targeted 100%, but food is primary. So I think streamlining and figuring out what are the biggest needle movers for myself is definitely that for me. That's a great answer. Uh, Question number four. What's your current purpose in life? Mm. It's hopefully being a light for God. And it is, and what that means for me is just hopefully staying in my lane in the best of ways and just enabling me to bring hope to people that are really struggling with silent health problems. And I get to see it play out all the time. This is more than a sentence, but I I, I love what I get to do. That's beautiful. Uh, Fifth and final question. If you could create one law that everyone in the world had to follow, what would it be? Be kind and think before you speak. A health law? Have any health laws? (laughs) 
that will help people as social diseases, right? As social relationship disorders bring about physical disorders too. But if you want something a little bit more on a micro level, I would say a law, you said a law mm-hmm. to, to, to people should live by. Uh, I would say use food, eat foods that love you back mm. and find out what they are. Be curious about what they are. Because when you focus on that, the rest of the stuff kind of is put into perspective. Yeah. I love that. Dr. Will Cole, everyone. The book is called Gut Feelings. The podcast is called The Art of Being Well. Uh, Dr. Will Cole on Instagram as well. Make sure you follow him. Everyone who's been watching or listening, make sure that you tag me and Dr. Will Cole on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitter. Let us know what resonated with you, what you're going to try, what you're going to try and shift. Remember, you don't have to change everything all at once. Just got to try to put one thing into practice and watch how your life changes. Uh, Thank you so much for being here. So grateful for you. And I love this conversation. Likewise. If you love this episode, you'll enjoy my interview with Dr. Daniel Amen on how to change your life by changing your brain. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Atna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com forward slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Atna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.